This is Lifetime Sentence, the podcast where we watch bad Lifetime original movies and compare them to the truly heinous stories that inspired them. Because sometimes the truth really is stranger than fiction. So how's your weekend been? It's pretty good. How about yours? Uh, well, I worked yesterday and I'm yeah. exhausted today. Mm-hmm. But I'm here. And Yay! I'm not hacking my lungs up because I... Um, May or may not have had the flu all week and went to school anyway. Mm, oops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. You do so much over there. Serves them right. Um, <laughs> well, early, I don't know if you saw my Facebook, but earlier today, um, I, well, yesterday, my um, son was out of town visiting my mother. Um, and so today, I just like casually was like, hey, did you turn in your project that was due last night at midnight and he was like no Uh (laughs) uh-oh so we got in a little tiff and then um we ended up having (sighs) you teachers make us work so hard all the weekend (laughs) we had to go to we had to go to heb so that he could take photos of organic food for his class because the teachers have wisened up, and so they know that I can Google a stock photo of organic food. Right. Just like any other dummy. So he had to be in the picture. <laughs> so that's how I spent my Sunday. So now I'm having a drink. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I'm just having water because I'm still not feeling like I should drink yet. Um, but I'm yeah, no longer not. dying from the flu, so at least well, there's that. that's good. I don't want you to die. That'd make me very sad. I at least have water in my Yeti. <laughs> water and cough drops. That was our cocktail last week, remember? Yep. Yep. <laughs> what a pairing. Yeah. Oh, this movie was insane. Was the, Is the case insane? Yes! I was not prepared. I wasn't either. I watched this movie, first of all, with my mouth hanging open the entire time. And then second of all, screaming, you're in danger. You're in danger. (laughs) (laughs) Could they they hear you? No. (laughs) They never can. It's so sad. (laughs) Oh, it was crazy. Um, But I was not expecting it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this isn't like a big mainstream case. It's no. something that I've never heard of. And so I was not expecting it to see, be so crazy. Yeah, no, I wasn't either. Yeah, bonkers. Okay, so this week I watched Sinister Minister, which A plus on the naming, guys, like really stretching those those uh, mind muscles. Oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was released on May 28th, 2017. And this is the first movie that has no famous people in it. Hey, real quick. Nobody I've ever heard of. Real quick. Ever. Welcome to Lifetime Sentence. I'm Paul. (laughs) I'm Aaron. (laughs) We're never going to be good at that. Sorry, Fran. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So nobody famous. Nobody famous. Um, uh, There's a girl in it called, called named Nikki Howard. And she plays Trish Wells, and the top billing on her IMDb page is a movie called Five-Headed Shark Attack, which I want to watch. Right? <laughs> how, I want to know, how does a five-headed shark work? 
I don't know, but she's a doctor in the movie, so she must know how. I hope so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the second the guy in the movie, um, his name is Ryan Patrick Shanahan, and I dare you to find like a more Irish name than that. <laughs> There's a composer who composed on the last couple of Harry Potter movies, and he did the uh-huh. music for Brave. And uh, his name is Patrick Doyle. That's close. I just and when I first read his name on IMDb, I thought it said O Shanahan, and I was like, Oh man, that's oh, man. <laughs> that's just a stereotype at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, he plays um, DJ. That's the the pastor. Um, okay, which, so they've of course, the names. Pa- of course, the pastor's name is DJ. I fucking can't. Um, that's for the Jesus. <laughs> the <Duh>, Jesus. <laughs> Um, he's been in like lots of little sci-fi channel TV movies, and he was also in an episode of Snapped. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the daughter is played by Angelica Briones. Um, she plays Sienna Wells, and she hasn't really been in anything either, but she has been in a show called Anime Crimes Division, and I want to watch that too. <laughs> I want there to be an anime crime about a five-headed shark. Let's just combine it all. <laughs> Yeah. A snapped five-headed shark. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. So we open with a close-up of red burning candles. And this whole movie, I'm really interested in the soundtrack. I wish I could interview the person that picked the music for this movie because it the whole thing has horror movie music. Oh, man. It's not like um, crime or even like there's no romantic music at all. Even when their romantic things are happening, it's all horror music. (laughs) (laughs) That was a choice. Yeah. So like this, we open, there's red burning candles with like horror music playing. And I was like, oh, shit, like this is the murder. But no, nobody's being murdered. Instead, there's two people having sex in a hot tub. Oh, okay. Um, you don't just put on thriller music while you're having sex in your hot tub because I do. Have you ever had sex in a hot tub? It is not sexy uh, at all. My, don't do it. My fat ass can't fit in a hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> Look, having sex in a hot tub sounds really romantic and sexy. It's not. Just don't. Hot tubs kind of weird me out. Hot, yeah. Hot they're just like gross. cesspools of bacteria. Yeah, they're gross. Just don't have sex in one. Don't do it. No wonder for the horror music. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, um, I'll say this politely, finish. <laughs> and um, the girl's like, oh, you're so good at that. Uh, <laughs> no. And, but the guy like, like flops down in the hot tub and he looks upset for some reason okay he climbs out of the hot tub and like his back is to her and she's like oh shit like i wrecked your back with my nails i'm so sorry and the guy like sits back down in the hot tub and he's like it's just your animal passion oh <gasps> you have been talking 30 seconds about this movie and i've already gagged twice <laughs> so have i <laughs> then he says maybe it wasn't her maybe it was julie um, this upsets the naked woman who just had sex with him. And he said, oh, oh first, I, I want to warn you at the top. 
he's a pastor, but he does a lot of things that pastors should not do. So I'm going to have you reserve all of your rants on why pastors don't do those things until the end. <laughs> I have my rant written in my notes. Okay, good. Then we'll just save it for your notes. <laughs> it's real bad. Like the whole time I was watching the movie, I was just hearing you saying, Jesus wouldn't do that. <laughs> Listen, my Baptist goes strong. Yes. Okay. Also, we're back in the South for this episode. I'm not quite sure where they never say, but they're Southern accents and I can do them. So yay. That's I'm so, so okay. funny. Yeah. He says, honey, I'm sorry. I love you. God put this love in our hearts. And if he did, then it can't be wrong. Well, God will clear us a path. Are you sure I can't rant? Yes. Because <laughs> he does this a lot. No. Yeah. Um, then they have sex again. Okay. You so know, like you do. <laughs> she's mad about Julie, who is apparently the other woman. Another woman. It's a, well, she's another woman. <laughs> well, um, and so the way yeah. you get over being mad about another woman is to just do have sex again. And yeah. I don't know the rules anymore. Lifetime keeps changing them. Look, I'm going to guess since the rule is the way to get over a romantic partner is to get under another one that some other like uh, iteration of that applies here. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So he's driving home later and there's police cars like all over outside of his house. He gets out of the car and he's like, what's happening? Um, And the neighbor is like sobbing in the front yard. And apparently Julie hanged herself. Oh. And I won't say hung, even though the policeman in this movie did. No, please don't. that's incorrect. (laughs) So I got kicked out of the classroom in the seventh grade, eighth grade, because I argued with my Texas history teacher he kept talking about somebody was hung and I was like, hung is a sweater in the closet because in the eighth grade, I was not going to say anything else that hung could mean, but but, I mean, I like argued him down until he kicked me out of the room and shout out to Mr. Sneed. You were an awesome history teacher. Don't put me out ever again. Nobody puts baby in a corner. (laughs) So the way that I learned it in school is that, Pictures are hung. People are hanged. Uh, People are also hung. (laughs) Ew. I already feel gross from this movie. Could you not make it worse? Okay, Okay. I'll try. Anyways, I'm willing to bet that Julie did not hang herself at all. But that's neither here nor there. Um, There's more horror music while we see a car driving on a highway. Um, That is scary. Yeah, this week we fast forward instead of a flashback. Oh, wow. So, you know, switching it up a little. Um, it's three years into the future. In the car we've been looking at, there's a Hispanic woman and her daughter. And I don't usually mention people's ethnicity while I describe them, but you need to know in order to make the next bit make sense. Okay. So the woman is like excitedly chatting to her about her coworker's son being baptized. While the teenage girl sits in the passenger seat and she's counting, like, out loud. Okay. And the mom finally is like, what are you doing? And she says, I'm counting white people. Oh, okay. That's where we are. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
So the mom, who is Trish, pulls over and lectures the daughter, who is Sienna, about how they moved to this tiny town full of white people because Sienna was flunking out of school. She was skipping class and getting stoned. I love how Lifetime thinks that the worst drug in the world is pot. Right? <laughs> um, and also, Sienna is wearing a marijuana leaf necklace and if I had ever attempted to darken the door of a church with one of those on, my mother would have murdered me. Literally. Literally killed what, me. What if you'd lied and said it was a maple leaf? You just really like Canada. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that would have flown, but I could have tried maybe. I mean, where I grew up, you probably could convince anybody of that because uh, no comments on where I grew up. <laughs> um... So Sienna finally is like, fine, but I'm not going to start being happy all the time and going to church. That's fair. Yeah. They go to the church for the baptism and the neighbor that was sobbing in the yard in the previous scene is the coworker that Trish was talking about. Okay. The one whose son is being baptized. Right. Um, She's like, Trish, you came. And they like hug. And as they walk inside, you hear the neighbor saying, I can't wait for you to meet the minister. He's so great. Okay. Spoiler alert, he's the worst. Um, I'm trying to figure out why a minister could be bad. He thinks Jesus is white. Oh, that explains a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, there we go. Um, (laughs) Inside at the baptism, the woman playing the organ is the same woman we just saw indulging her animal passions in a hot tub. Oh, she was saved. That's so sweet. Yeah. Um... The minister is the man we saw indulging his animal passions in the hot tub. He got saved, too. Yeah. That's the redemptive power of Christ. But it's probably true because he then gives a sermon about his previous life full of sin. He did drugs. He had sex with people. And apparently... Not sex. I know. <laughs> not sex. <gasps> Clutch my pearls. Um he was apparently called a raging, fornicating, and I think he said archetype. I rewound this like four times, and that's the best I could get. What word did you think he said? Archetype? Try archetype? No, it's not. that's not what he said, because that's what I thought, but I rewound it again. It's not archetype. Are you sure it wasn't just a real bad accent? Because if my mom, let me channel my mom real quick. She said, Paul Randall. I am a raging, fornicating archetype. No, it would have been an A, not an O. Yeah. Mm-mm. I don't know. <laughs> she would kill I... me if she knew I just did that. <laughs> when you show up missing, I <laughs> will know what happened to you. Oh, yeah. Um. Seriously, I rewound this so much trying to understand, and I turned my TV all the way up. My neighbors, I'm sure, are very thankful. Uh, I don't know what he said. <laughs> um, but anyways, all this was because he was searching and starved for the love of Jesus. Well, I'm so glad that he found it and changed his ways. Mm. Let me have my dream. No. <laughs> Trish is enraptured by this sermon. And I'm like, you're in danger. Run away. Run, girl, um, run. <laughs> um, 
preacher says what starts in love ends above and he's full of these things i can't i'm gonna write these down and just pull them out when people get irritated i'll be like listen aaron what starts in love ends above (laughs) i can't even say that with a straight face (laughs) um apparently oh the pastor's name is dj which we covered in the fasting right the jesus yeah, that's all I need to know at that point. I'm like, DJ, he's guilty. Throw him in <laughs> He looks like the archetype <laughs> of any youth pastor in any church in South Texas. Um, V-neck shirt. Well, he's wearing a button-up, but okay. yes. A little bit. He's wearing the thick chain with the cross. Oh. And he tries to talk like he knows... I cool forgot. Things, but he doesn't. When did you say this movie came out? 2017. Oh yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um. He at, after the thing he compliments Trish and Sienna. He calls them sisters. Blah. Mm-hmm. He tells Sienna that she should come to youth group because it's the bomb. It's the bomb, diggity, Sienna. In 2017. Then he says, "Oh no, 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 no." People don't say, or, you know, kids don't say that anymore. He says, it's on fleek. That was not 2017 either, homie. That was 2012, 2013. Anyways, he, like, Sienna kind of laughs at him. And then he says, nice necklace, by the way, darling. I really like maple leaves. Mm -hmm. They leave and Sienna is like, that guy's creepy. He was staring at my boobs. And then mama's like, no. He was nice. Mom, listen to Sienna. Yeah. Um, Trish is at work at a local diner called Friendly Gyms, which I suppose is supposed to be ironic because the owner is a real asshole. (laughs) She's on the phone trying to work out some kind of bank issue, and he yells at her for having problems that need to be worked on during business hours. How dare you? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Her coworker slash neighbor says, He's just grumpy because they haven't had a customer in two hours. But then Jim points to the pastor working in a booth and says, they have plenty of customers. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Later, um, Trish refills his coffee and they start um, talking. And Jim says that, or no, Trish says that Jim doesn't like her. And the pastor, Reverend Pat, I'm going to use those words all interchangeably, minister, all of them. Sorry. Um, He's like, what? You are nothing but a peach, and y'all have got to come back to church because we're missing you. I... Okay, I'm holding it in. Preachers do this. Also, I would just like to point out, you'll, your little southern heart will be proud because mine was too. When I was typing this out, I wrote y'all of like Y apostrophe A-L-L apostrophe V-E. <laughs> yeah, that's a word. I know. <laughs> My Microsoft Word does not think it's a word, but it's wrong. Oh, Microsoft um, Word needs some help. Yeah. Um, so she says, oh, like my daughter wasn't really into the church. And he says it's fine because if the product is good enough, it'll sell itself. If it's love, it's from above. <laughs> um. Then she asks if she can get him anything else. And he looks her up and down and says... Not on the menu. No. Mm-hmm. No, I don't like any of this. 
Nope. Her phone rings and it's her daughter's school. She goes outside to take the call and uh, surprise, her daughter's skipping school again. Uh, she turns around to hang up and runs into her boss who fires her. So she storms out and she, um, like the pastor kind of like stops him. DJ, he's like stops him and tries to reason with him. Um, Trish drops her purse by the car, which is an Audi. And I'm like, how do you afford that on a waitress salary at a restaurant that has had one customer in two hours? No joke. Um, but that's none of my business. Um, DJ follows her out to her car and sa- and she says that moving there was a big mistake. And he's like, now, now, we've got- we're good people here. Just give us a chance. And then he asks her to come to work to- at the church as his assistant. Yay. I.e. his sex secretary, if uh-huh. you will. He mentions that his wife has been so sick that she could really use the help. So... So he openly checked her out, said, I want something that's not on the menu, Mm -hmm. and then followed it up with, my wife is really sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's a real charmer. (laughs) I don't like any of this. Me neither. Um, So Trish is working at the church. She and the pastor share an office, because why not? Um, That's 900,000 red flags right there. Yes. We see her and Sienna like passing out bulletins on Sundays and Sienna looks like she'd rather set herself on fire than be there. <laughs> I get With, it. If that's the preacher, I would rather. Yeah. He's so gross. Ugh. Like, and you know, I go to church all the time. I do. I'm there mm-hmm. if the doors are open. If that's the preacher, I'm gone. Yeah. I grew up in a church, like in the church where I went every time the doors were open. I don't anymore. Um, but yeah, um, this guy, and look, I've dealt with creepy guys at church, but this guy takes the cake. He's disgusting. Um, so Trish sees the pastor, like, doing charitable works, which is, like, his job, um, which makes her, like, bike him even more. She and DJ are, like, celebrating the fact in their office that donations to the church have gone up so much. Meanwhile, his wife walks by eating a donut, and she does not look pleased. Well, that's because she's sick. Mm-hmm. Later, Trish and Sienna are eating dinner with DJ and Betsy. That's the wife. Okay. Um, Betsy keeps coughing, and she's like, I'm so sorry. I can't seem to shake this cold. Like, 10 out of 10, she's being poisoned. Oh, absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Trish says, like, she wouldn't have accepted the dinner invitation if she'd known Betsy was so ill, and Betsy does the Southern thing, which is a thing. Like if I'm throwing a dinner party, I will literally die before I cancel it. Oh, absolutely. Or act unhospitable to anyone in attendance. Yeah. But no, she's because like, they'll leave and talk shit about you. You have to. Yeah. She's like, heavens no. I invited y'all over. You just sit down and, ha- you know, sit for a spell and have some tea. Um, you have to, I mean, you have to literally be dead to cancel this thing at this point. Oh yeah, for sure. Trish thanks her uh, not only for dinner, but for letting her help at the church because it's so nice to do good um, for other people. And DJ says, here's another one. Are you ready? No. I always say being of use is a blessing even greater for the giver than the receiver. Don't maybe don't say that. Yeah. Because it just sounds dumb. Sienna rolls her eyes so hard and same. Like I almost took a picture of the screenshot. It was great. Um, Trish yells 
at her outside for being rude. Um, and Sienna tells her that DJ just wants to get in her pants and that she can do better. So She's Sienna's right. the hero daughter. of this story. Huh? So Sienna is the hero of this story. Correct. I wish Sienna existed in real life. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Trish finally throws it in the, you live in my house, you'll live by my rules. Oh, good. Yeah. So Sienna storms off and, and DJ comes out because he was eavesdropping, of course. Naturally. He calls her honey and he calls her darling and says she just really needs to take care of herself because that's how she's going to take care of her daughter and be a good example. He tells her to keep smiling and she says that she is always smiling when she's with him. Oh. Um, so then they kiss. Like outside of mama's, I mean, outside of his wife's house, like mm-hmm. uh, out there on the front porch way to move slow. Take it easy. Yeah. Really get to know someone. Yeah. So she pushes him away pretty quickly and he's like, Oh, sorry, that was wrong. Like my bad. I wish I'd have done that. Oh, my B. Um, yeah. She says she should get home and she'll see him tomorrow, like at work. And he says, no, actually, because he's going to take Betsy on a little day trip. And I was like, ah, no. Abort, abort. Mm-hmm. So Trish is driving home and there is some editing magic right here. I love editing magic. Me too. It's my favorite. Okay. This should be a section. Like, like we should have a segment on our podcast. This should be a segment. Okay. Write that down. Fran, write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, so you see Trish driving home and, um, she looks like kind of tired and she keeps looking at Sienna who's sleeping in the passenger seat and the screen fades to black and you hear a car crash, like all the, the car crash noises. Okay. I was about to make those sound effects with my mouth and then realized that that was the worst idea I've had in three days. Good for you. Uh, at least you stopped yourself. Uh, <laughs> I'm growing so- up. So you think it's Trish and Sienna that have been in some kind of accident, but it fades back up and it's the next day and it's DJ and he gets out of the car and goes to the passenger side and his wife is super dead. (laughs) I didn't mean to laugh. It's the super dead concept. I mean, look, for a guy that was able to exit the vehicle after he hit this tree, she's like fucked up. Right. (laughs) Um. So then he like strokes her hair for a while and then he puts out a huge act to the car that the next car that drives by about a deer that just came out of nowhere, etc. So we're at a fun- we're at the funeral and everyone's dressed in florals and cuz at first I was like is this the funeral cuz nobody's dressed in funeral clothes. Um they did research on southern funerals and as you know we only wear florals to funerals if not you've been going to the wrong funerals Aaron. i mean i don't frequent funerals if i don't have to <laughs> but i've never seen everyone dressed up like super in in lieu of providing flowers to the funeral you have to wear you the flowers wear <laughs> i love it although i will say as a southern woman funeral food is the best food oh yeah oh yum okay sienna starts laughing hyster oh oh hold on so sienna's like at the funeral but she's stoned like you see her outside like smoking pot okay 
So um, DJ gets up and he says that the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, but everything happens for a reason. I don't think the Lord took this one away. No. I mean, he's a minister, so he told him to kill his wife. Oh, really? It's all God's fault. Come on. I I forgot that if you read the Bible enough times, you can find that if you need it. Mm hmm. So Sienna starts like laughing hysterically because she is high as fuck. (laughs) Um, So um, Trish runs, rushes her out of the church and they get in a fight in the parking lot. But then Sienna steals her car and like leaves her there at the church. Okay. Um, I guess DJ's part of the funeral is over because he just like walks outside behind her. Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, sure. Like, um, the good Lord Lord taketh away, and he's taking me away now. You've been a <laughs> lovely audience. <laughs> I'll be here all week, folks. <laughs> um, da, 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 I lost my place. Um, so Trish tells DJ that he needs to have his needs taken care of instead of taking care of everyone else all the time. Later, Sienna hasn't come home yet, and there's a knock on the door, and Trish thinks it's Sienna, but it's DJ. She asks him how the rest of the visitation was, and he says it was hard. Um, He cries and says he's very lonely. She hugs him, and then they kiss again. And your wife's body isn't even buried yet. It's hardly cold yet. God, okay. Also, this is the moment that Sienna decides to come home because she walks in the room. She's like, y'all are disgusting, and she storms off. Go, Sienna. <laughs> um, Trish is banging on the door, but Sienna's, like, got the door open, like, the back door open. She's smoking a joint, which, you know, you do. I might need one if I saw that. Right. <laughs> I guess DJ didn't leave like Trish asked him to when this all went down because he walks up behind her and he's like, let me try to talk to her. Don't. Um, He knocks on the door and gives her a speech about how sorry he is and how wonderful Trish is. And he just had a really hard day and maybe he should have, quote, gotten toasted and rolled up a big old doob instead of making out with Trish. I need a joint now. (laughs) I need to roll up a big old doob. So he's about to leave and finally Sienna opens the door and is like, nobody says doob. Sienna, don't let him charm you. Don't do it. So then Trish is like super impressed that, you know, DJ got through to Sienna. Later, um... Trish and DJ are walking around the church grounds and she thanks him for the job and for being so good with Sienna. And he says that he's the one that's grateful for them. Um, He apologizes again for kissing her that night, that other night. And then he gives her a book, but then they kiss again. So he can't be like that. Sorry. Um, Was the book cheating for dummies? No, it was um, a collection of Shakespeare poetry. Even worse. Mm-hmm. So Sienna is sitting on the steps of the church and DJ comes out to talk to her and he's like, Hey, what's wrong? And she says, I'm fine. I'm really fine. I'm totally fine. Super fine. 
and he like coaxes it out of her. He's like, come on, you can tell me anything. Like I'm a, I'm a minister. Like we have confidentiality. I won't tell your mom. Um, and finally, um, she says that she met a guy that she liked and now he won't respond to her texts. He says the guy isn't worth it, et cetera. And Sienna says that she knows, but the guy was also supposed to get her some weed. That's the important part. <laughs> so DJ says, isn't that legal now? And I'm trying to figure, okay, this is in the South. They all speak with Southern accents, so I'm assuming it's in the South. There's not a Southern state where it's legal. Not fully, no. I was going to say, is Austin, is it legal in the city limits of Austin? No. Okay. It's a Texas thing. Um, no, it's not. There's like a, a couple of medical things that you can get a right. prescription, but it's very limited. It's not even the, the same way it is for other states that have medical. That's what I thought. Mm-hmm. But anyways, he says, isn't that legal now? And she's like, yeah, but not till I'm 21. And then DJ calls the ghosting guy a dweeb. Such a loser. Okay. Um, uh, I, and then he's like, why don't I get your phone number so that um, if you ever want to talk, you know, we can talk. No. Um, but she gives it to him. No. Uh, there's lots of scenes of them all spending time together. And it looks like DJ may actually have the hots for the daughter. And at first, like, I kind of saw this coming, but not really. And I was like, please don't let it be that. Please don't let it be that. Please don't let it be that. <laughs> please don't let it be that. Uh, spoiler alert, it's that. So we see Sienna and DJ spending lots of time talking while her mom is like kind of in the background, like making dinners and cleaning up and et cetera. Um, but then we also see like DJ and Trish having sex. So I'm like, maybe it's not that, you know, maybe, maybe, please. Maybe this is all just a bad nightmare. This is DJ seeing his awful life flash before his eyes before he hits the tree and he dies and not the wife. No. Damn. Um, he, after they are finished, he says he left something in his car. So Trish like waits a while and then hears voices and sees Sienna and DJ like hanging out in Sienna's bedroom. That's not Um, where you parked. Trish, like she wants to be upset, but when he comes back in the room, she's like, I thought you said you left your Bible in the car. And he's like, I did. It's, I got it. It's right here. And she's like, but why were you? And he's like, well, she was awake and she wanted to ask me something. So, so it's like, she wants to be mad, but then he has an explanation for everything. So she's like, well, I just sound crazy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't worry. I can find a reason for her to be mad because he's texting someone as Trish leaves the room and it's Sienna. Ooh. Because he gave her weed. Then he texts her. Sleep tight, cutie pie. And she writes back and says, you too, handsome. And then I threw up in my mouth. No, no, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. Um, at school, apparently Sienna and the church boys all get high together now, which this is more of the church experience that I remember. <laughs> They get caught by school security. And, of course, the boys are little pansies and run away. And they leave Sienna to get in trouble. Naturally. So DJ and Trish are picking her up from the police station. But she's being charged with dealing drugs because she had so much pot. So Trish starts the uh, if you live in my house speech again. But Sienna's like, I'm not going to live in your house anymore. 
And then Trish is like, what? 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 And he, she turns around and she's like, hi, dad. And it's her dad. Oh, I thought you were about to say she called DJ dad. No. And I was like, I was about to like explode vomit. <laughs> like projectile vomit over my entire recording setup. <laughs> Please don't do that. That's expensive stuff. Um, okay. So we cut to them in the parking lot and Trish is like hard defending herself to her ex. But he's not he like the whole time he's like, I agree with you. I agree with you. I know. That's so that's so true. So she's like arguing with herself because he's not <laughs> arguing with her. Um he says that he's not there to take Sienna away. He's not there to cause any problems. But his daughter called him from jail and he showed up because that's what fathers do. Good for him. This guy is great. I love him. Um Thank you, Lifetime, for actually portraying a good dad too. Yeah. Um, he says he wants them both to come home because he misses them. And he they don't say what he did like to make her leave him, but he says it was all his fault. Like he said, I, I've been to therapy. I didn't want it to be all my fault, but it was all my fault, and I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so it sounds like it's addiction or something. Maybe. So the um, he says, I wish I could have gotten back to you, like found you or whatever. Before you put down roots, and he looks at DJ, and um, uh, roots can be chopped, buddy. Yeah, and these ones need to be. Um, so <laughs> she says that DJ is like a really good man, and the dad kind of calls him out. He's like, "Is he though?" Because his wife just died like a month ago. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um. So the ex and DJ, like, so then DJ comes up and puts his arm around her, of course, and they get in a little pissy match about. You know, right. who loves Trish more. measuring contest. Uh-huh. And so DJ's like, why don't you come sit, stay with us? And I'm like, I'm sorry. When did he move in? I missed that. Right? Ooh. Okay. Um, so the ex is like, no, um, that wouldn't be right. And I don't want to confuse my daughter by, stay, you know, staying in the house with you guys. Right. So then DJ's like, well, why don't you come over for dinner tomorrow night? And the dad's like, okay, that sounds normal. Okay. You know, so we'll do that. Um, DJ and Trish are driving home and DJ starts asking her if she ever forgave her ex for like whatever he had done to her. And she basically says no, but he can tell that she's still like in love with him. Okay. So he says then that he doesn't want to stand between them. And so why doesn't he give them some marriage counseling at dinner tomorrow. Now, I, words can't describe the visceral reaction I just had. Like, like my whole body said, what the fuck? Very physically. I hate this guy. He sucks. Listen, uh-huh. I know we've been fucking, but I've got a solution for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna... going to counsel your marriage and fix it. Yes. You're welcome. Uh-huh. So the next night, the night of the dinner, DJ comes home super late um, and Trish is crying at the table. Um, dinner is over. There's like cold food on the table because the the ex-husband never showed up. I don't like it. Mm-mm. DJ takes off his jacket and there are like rips and all like he's bleeding like 
his shirt has like ripped and he's bleeding. And Trish does not say anything. She's just like, this is totally normal. Right. My husband didn't show up. I was supposed mm-hmm. to be wedding counseled, marriage counseled mm-hmm. by the man I've been fucking. He's bleeding right now. Um, and my biggest concern is actually that the tater tots are cold. <laughs> actually, her biggest concern is that her daughter is very upset. Um, when she does question like, why, what happened to your arm? He says, he caught something when he got out of the car. I'm like, what a mountain lion? Like <laughs> a cold? Like I <laughs> a baseball? Yeah. DJ says that he will take care of her and Sienna because clearly her ex has proven that he sucks and he's terrible. I don't think he proved that, but I'm holding judgment. And then he asks Trish to marry him because sure. Right. I've been I've been single 31 days. That's long enough. Yeah. Um, Trish says she needs to talk to Sienna about it and goes upstairs. But Sienna's gone. But she left a typed note that says not to contact her. So I, I all the like alarm bells and red flags are like marching through my living room. At right. That They're just like falling from the sky. Yeah. But not Trish. Through her sobs, she clutches onto DJ and says, I want to get married right now. We could do it right now tonight if you want to. I don't want to lose you. You're a preacher. You can marry us. I was like, what the fuck is happening right now? I Isn't that how you grieve? You, no. You just marry the closest thing breathing? <laughs> good thing he didn't bring the mountain lion in with him first or be a very different movie <laughs> did you see the news story about the guy who uh the jogger who choked a mountain lion to death yes attacked him have you seen some of the comments the woman staring at him is it that the is that the same guy who the woman that's at the press conference is looking at him like he is the most beautiful thing that's ever lived oh i don't know but i screenshot this comment from it Hold oh on. i can't wait it's amazing. No, so the comment is, this is why I'm an indoor girl. But dude, if you ever want to choke another cougar, give me a call. Ah! <laughs> I love it. That's I'm so funny. Oh my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, so they get married. That night? Does he no, do the service like himself? A, it's like a month later. Oh, and so they're really taking their time. They get married and Trish uncontrollably sobs during this wedding. Yeah, weddings make you emotional. <laughs> like she even misses the part where the guy tells her to say I do. And then she's like, oh, oh, yeah, I do. And then she goes back to sobbing. Okay, so one time in college, I got hired to play for somebody's wedding because I have a quartet that plays at like fancy events. <laughs> and... The wedding was on April Fool's Day, which should have been a red flag to everybody on the planet. Oh, for sure. And when the officiant said, do you take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? She goes, I mean, I guess. Why not? (laughs) And I was like, the fuck is going on here? I better get paid for this. Uh, (laughs) Um, So after the wedding, she sobs in the church about how much she misses Sienna and DJ is like everything is gonna be fine like let's go for a walk let's get some air but she keeps crying and he gets that look in his eye and I'm like oh girl run away oh the wedding night look 
no the I'm gonna murder this woman look I was trying so we cut to some hikers stumbling around on a trail and one of them falls down an embankment his friend follows to make fun of him like you do right for real <laughs> and he stops because right behind him there's a human hand sticking out of the ground I don't like it nope um DJ and Trish, meanwhile, are at their wedding dinner. So it's not DJ's hand. I thought maybe there was a landslide and he'd gotten buried. No. Damn. They're they're at their wedding dinner and she's not paying attention because she's so racked with grief. Overjoyed, you mean. Yeah. Overjoyed. Um, <laughs> he's talking to her about um, honeymoons and redecorating the house and she's just not paying attention. So he gets pissed. Um, and says that she's making everything all about her. Uh, so they get in a fight. Um, he says it's their wedding. It's their time. He loves her. He wants to go on a honeymoon. God damn it. Um, I hope he said God damn it because that's the sign of a really good pastor. <laughs> he didn't, but I'm just saying. She agrees at first and then she's like, wait, what? Thank you. Um. DJ's like, um, you should re- respect Sienna's wishes and be reasonable about the fact that she's not here. So she's still gone. Yeah. And I- I'm sorry. She is wherever she is. We're going to get there. But you thought that this woman was just going to like let her daughter run away and never hear from her again and everything was just going to be cool. So I have a question. I've uh-huh. never been a parent, but you are. Uh-huh. Your son disappears for a month. Mm-hmm. You're engaged to a man you've known like seven days. Sure. <laughs> do you still go through with this wedding or do you think like maybe I could ask him to postpone and he'd get it because my son is fucking missing? Well, first I would file a missing persons report, which she has not done. Oh, I thought that was a given. Good no. God. <laughs> so, yeah. Um... Later, they come home. Oh, no, she runs off sobbing and DJ bangs on the table because he is overjoyed is, at his wedding. Overjoyed, yes. But then he stops and he gets this look in his eye and he tells the waiter, he says, you know, oh, because the waiter comes over and he's like, should I clear the table? And at first he says yes, but then he's like, no, you know, why don't you bring us two more glasses of Merlot from me and my wife? So he's clearly a Methodist preacher because Baptists don't drink. Yeah. Um, Later they come home and Trish is like super drunk and she's like, I don't understand like why I'm so, so hammered because this doesn't happen to me usually. Like I can hold my liquor. Um, But then she runs to the bathroom to throw up and DJ just like looks at his watch and I'm like, oh, that's not suspicious at all. (laughs) How how do you start? poisoning or drugging of any sort your wife 12 hours into your marriage i'm not even thinking it's 12 hours i'm thinking more like six maybe maybe but i'm trying i'm trying to give him any kind of credit but there's none Mm -mm. so i guess this is a really small town because the same detective from sienna and her drug court case is working on the hand in the ground case okay yeah i guess they're like you know they consolidated the force um, turns out the body is Trish's ex-husband. 
He died in a mudslide. He died. I don't think it was in a mudslide, though. Um, cut to someone walking down a hallway outside of a, a motel room. A hand reaches out and knocks on the door. And who opens it? Captain America. No, Sienna, which at first I was like, well, at least she's not dead. Because that's what I thought. <laughs> right? That's what I have thought this whole time, too. Mm-hmm. She opens the door and she's like, hey. And who's standing on the other side of the door? This is Captain America. <laughs> it's DJ. Fuck. He's holding flowers. And he says, hey, baby. Ooh. No, it's so bad. Please listen. So, so my demented mind was like, maybe it was her mom's bouquet. <gasps> maybe it was. I don't think she was holding a bouquet, though. Okay. I'm trying to remember now. Um, if I were a lifetime exec, that's the decision I would have made. Yeah. So th- at this time, we get a flashback of uh, Trish hi- playing hide and go seek with a baby, Sienna. Um, she like reaches over to rip the covers back because Sienna's like hiding under the covers. But when she does, nobody's there. So that Trish like wakes up from her fever dream and she's like, where's Sienna? Um, and DJ's like, honey, I told you she sent us that email. She doesn't want to talk to you. Uh, uh, um she wakes up stab him no she she wakes up and she says that she's not feeling well and he's like well you really need to eat um he's trying to feed her but she says that it tastes weird she wants to go to the doctor but dj's like um the lord will heal you no he's like you have the flu like they can't do anything for the flu like you're just gonna waste their time um, you just have to, you know, get over it. So, um, uh, he went to seminary, not medical school. Trish, go to the doctor. For real. I will pay for you an Uber. <laughs> like, okay, yes. There, now, for a long time, there wasn't a lot they could do for the flu, but they could give you stuff to make you more comfortable while you had the flu. Right. Because even, like, research shows that Tamiflu only shortens the duration by 24 yeah. to 48 hours. It doesn't do enough. No. But they could give you, like, cough medicine and decongestant and stuff to, like, make you more comfortable and able to get some rest, which is what you need to get over the flu. Right. Well, and at least you should get looked at to make sure it's really just the flu. And you don't have, like, pneumonia because that's how people die from the flu. Because pneumonia is a secondary complication that mm-hmm. any time I've gotten the flu, I've also gotten pneumonia. Except for this time. Knock on wood. Um, so Sienna is in her little motel room and she's bored. Um, DJ comes in and he has Chinese food. And the second most important thing, her cell phone. Sienna says she really wants to call her mom. And DJ says that... Um, her mom doesn't want to talk to her that her mom said that she was too disappointed in the way Sienna turned out and wants nothing to do with her ever again. Manipulative men need to all go fuck themselves. This guy is the fucking worst. I hate him. Um, so he says he'll be leaving Trish soon and then they can do what they want and be together. You've been married a day and a half. Yeah. He goes home and there's a strange car in the driveway. It's the police detective telling Trish that the ex-husband has died. So at this point, Trish is like, but 
my daughter's been sending us emails saying that she's with him. She's clearly not with him because he's dead. So she says, I'm going to file a missing persons report. About fucking time. But DJ says that's not necessary because he saw Sienna last week and she's living with an older boyfriend in the city. <sighs> Trish loses her shit at him. Um, and she's like yelling at him about why he wouldn't tell her. And he's like, but past her confidentiality. No, sir. Mm-mm. It's um, time for a divorce, lady. Yeah. So this is all happening. They're fighting in front of this police detective and another officer. <laughs> Can you imagine how uncomfortable you are if you're one of those police officers? No, because this bitch is like red flag, red flag. You can see her. You can see the hamsters on the wheel. She's like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they call Sienna finally because he's like, I have her number. Like, we can call her. They call Sienna and she picks up and Sienna thinks it's DJ and she says, Hello, Mr. Minister Man. But this doesn't register with Trish. Like, it doesn't click because she's, like, so upset about her ex-husband. Um, she tells her that her dad is dead, and then Sienna hangs up on her. Um, Trish is really upset, so DJ's like, it's time for you guys to leave, detectives, police people, get out of my house. Um, later, he's feeding her again, and he thinks that she's done and she's fallen asleep. So he leaves, but she, like, sits up and spits out the food. Okay. Um, but later she's also drinking directly out of a wine bottle, so I'm not sure if that, if she, like, <laughs> if it's quite clicked that she's being poisoned yet. I just, maybe she thinks he's a terrible cook. I don't know. <laughs> um, she finds a vial of yellow liquid in a cabinet while she's looking for something, and then it starts to click. Oh, lemonade, concentrate in the bathroom. Oh, totally. In a glass vial? Yeah, that's where those. Yeah. That's where that goes. Yeah, um, lemon simple syrup. She hears a noise outside and thinks it's DJ. Um, but she can't find the source of the noise. Like, she walks through the house, and what she finds is the detective, like, poking around in their, like, out, like, their shed. Do you have a warrant, buddy? Because you probably she shouldn't do that. She asks her that. She asks her that, and she says... Well, we would need a warrant to go inside your house. Outer buildings are a little bit more of a gray area. She's like, I'm just trying to satisfy a hunch. Uh, I would not rely on a gray area. I'm not super into it, but I like this lady, so she gets a pass. <laughs> Trish is super defensive, and the, the detective starts talking about how um, – all of DJ's wives have died, and it's very unusual to have a man be twice widowed before he turns 50. Um, she says he didn't, she didn't know Julie, his first wife, but she did know Betsy, and Betsy was a really, like, nice lady, and that she had been sick, but it always seemed a little weird. Um, and then how they, when they found Betsy's body, she had too, like, she had too much bruising for the car accident that they were in. Okay. Trish said that, um, so the detective asked Trish, like, about her ex-husband, and Trish is like, he was totally fine with it. He offered to counsel us, and this detective is like, girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the detective then asks, um, no, no, she said, well, did you still love your ex-husband? And she says, yes, but, um, you know, DJ was okay with it again. And then she says, 
the detective says, you know, it's so hard to know what a person is really thinking, but I'm sure he was cool with it. Um, when he comes home, would you please tell him that I'd like to speak with him? Okay. Um, Trish doesn't say anything at the time, but you can tell that the seed has been planted because she goes back inside and dumps every bit of food in that house down the drain. Good. Yeah. She then While drinking straight from the wine bottle, I hope. No. Um, she breaks into his computer, which I'm usually against. But if all signs are pointing to your husband is at, like literally poisoning you, like you find a vial of poison in your cabinet, yeah. then I, I give you the okay. You right. have my blessing. <laughs> right. Like he's trying to murder her and she knows it. So she she's trying to get shit done. Um, she clicks on the document and it's the letter that Sienna wrote when she ran away. Oh, okay. So she finds also the name of a motel, like just randomly in there. Um, she takes off her wedding ring and calls the police, but the detective is not there. So she has to leave a message. Um, then she takes off running down the road. Like this woman is weak as fuck. Cause she's been poisoned for, I don't even know how long, but she's running. She wants to get to her daughter. So she's running down the road. Right. Right. And she's super weak because she's been being poisoned for, I don't even know how long, but she is, she's trying to get there. Um, the dispatch reaches the detective on her cell phone. And so she goes off looking for Trish, too. Okay. Trish found the motel room where Sienna is, and she's, like, banging on the door. Sienna won't open it, but um, Trish is outside. She's, like, sobbing about how DJ's not what he says he is and how much Trish loves Sienna and how she made a huge mistake and she's so sorry. Um, Sienna opens the door, and Trish comes inside, and they hug, but then Trish, like, falls on the couch and, like, passes out. Oh, shit. Um, Sienna goes to get her phone, but DJ takes it. Oh, so he was in there? Yeah, I guess he was in another, like, a, like the bathroom or something, because he comes out and he's like, uh, you won't be needing this. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so then he starts preaching to Sienna about what a bad mother Trish is, talking about what a bad mother his mother was. Ah. Uh. Um, Sienna grabs a knife off the counter and he's like, <laughs> this is where in my life, my own sarcasm would get me in trouble because she grabs the knife and he's like, what's you going to do with that? Stab, Stab me. Me. Uh-huh. <laughs> me too. Those would be my last words. <laughs> For sure. Um, then he turns track and says, he's probably going to hell. Um, Sienna says he is going to hell, but first he's going to go to prison for mur- for poisoning her mother. He then turns on Sienna and starts saying how she'll get blamed for her mother's death because he caused her so much. She caused her so much grief. Um, then he um, starts preaching about how about honoring your father and mother. Uh uh-uh. Don't do that. Thank God there's a knock on the door and the police are there. So they're banging on the door and Sienna and DJ are having this little standoff inside. And DJ tells her that if she doesn't say that Trish poisoned herself, he'll say that Sienna did it and people will believe him because he's the minister. What a fucker. Yeah. So she like... He tells her, like, don't do anything stupid. And she's like, okay, like, I won't. Um, And so she opens the door and stands there for a minute. And for a minute, I'm like, oh, come on. 
But she finally says, he has a knife and he said he'll kill me. Good for you. Mm-hmm. So Detective Leslie comes in and she handcuffs DJ and he's like, I'm the minister. And he's the other backup guy is with him. He's like, hey, tell tell them what I did when your mom was sick. And he's like, no. And finally, Detective like puts him up on his feet and she's like, you have the right to shut your damn mouth. Good. <laughs> So then Trish, um, like it fades out. Trish wakes up in the hospital and Sienna is there with her. Um, They hug and cry and apologize. And then Sienna is like, hey, mom, can we get the hell out of this town? Yeah, no joke. And Trish is like, yes, we can. And that's it. That's the end. Yay. Yeah. What an awful movie. It was real bad. You want to hear the true story? I do, but first I want to talk about what I would pair with. Oh yeah. Um, since it's very centered around church, and you can't Eucharist, you would just have communion wafers and wine. No, um, I was going to say since you're not supposed to drink at church, I would say to mix um vodka with Kool Aid and put it in a water bottle so you can take it to the church picnic and nobody will be the wiser. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me the real story. At least I know kind of that the daughter is not real, so he's not fucking an eight, an eighteen year old girl. Yeah, maybe? there's that at least. Aww. Um. So my sources at the top, um, were a um, let's see, an article by Barbara Miller from PenLive.com called. Mm-hmm. Former Lebanon pastor A.B. Shermer sentenced in wife's first death. No, in first wife's death. Mm-hmm. And then um, an article called How Did a Respected Church Minister Nearly Manage to Get Away with Killing Two Wives? Okay. And then the top of the article says it's by Jess Beach, but the end of the article says it's by Rachel Tompkins. So. Maybe they wrote it together. Uh, maybe. And then. Finally, was Pastor Arthur Burton Shermer, the singing minister of death by Jamie Fisher at this new true crime blog I found called jimfishertruecrime.blogspot.com. Nice. Also, I just want to say the name Shermer is gross. uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So, casting this film, Mm -hmm. um, if I am casting the first wife, and I will put their pictures on our blog, um... Or links to where I found these pictures. I feel weird posting their pictures because they were so totally innocent and all this. Yeah. But, but I will put a link where I found these pictures. Um, well, I mean, we are talking about the case, so it's... That's true. So they'll probably be there. Anyway, there will be a fine way you can find... There will be a way you can find pictures. Mm-hmm. But the first wife, Joel Shermer, mm-hmm. I'm casting as just the soprano who sits on the second row of every Baptist church who's got the really mm-hmm. warbly vibrato. Yeah. Because she looks like every old lady in every church. Look, I'm well versed in what a church lady looks like. Yep. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> His second wife, Betty Jean Shermer, she is played by the alto who sits on the front row of every Baptist church choir. And she's the one who signs up to only bring napkins to the church picnic. Okay. So you know exactly who I'm talking about. She's yeah. not the one who makes the potato salad. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then... If I'm casting Arthur Burton Shermer, he'll be played by Jeff Bridges. Ooh. Yeah. 
All right. So in 1968, Arthur Burton Shermer, who went by AB, which is even stupider than DJ. For real. (laughs) AB married Jewel, whom he had met when they were uh, 20-year-old students at Messiah College in Pennsylvania. Okay. While A.B. was working as a minister at various churches in Pennsylvania, he and his wife, Jewel, were known for singing duets at various churches and camp meetings and revivals and like other religious events like that. So the church that I grew up in is a pretty well-known Southern Baptist church. Uh-huh. Um, our pastor, his, well, the pastor that preached at our church for more than 50 years that he, I still refer to him as our pastor because right. nobody will ever replace that man. Um, but he would let his wife sing solos mm-hmm. in the church. It was so bad. Yep. It was so bad. Everyone has one. Mm-hmm. So, um, later their three children, they had two daughters and a son mm-hmm. would join the group. And they would start to be billed as the singing Shermer family, like a religious Partridge family or Von Trapp family. I mean, I'm not sure that I would buy tickets to that particular concert, but okay. Me neither, and I'm a musician. Although, I I mean, here's the thing, though. I do know people that would. Oh, yeah. So, to each their own. Dr. Sarah would. (laughs) Um... So, 10 years into their marriage, the Shermers were called to the Bethany United Methodist Church in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And for. Oh, you said Lebanon. I thought you meant like the country. Right. I thought that at first with the headline, (laughs) but I was like, he was Lebanese. He doesn't even look like it. (laughs) Um, People who didn't grow up in church probably don't know when a pastor gets assigned to a new church, the phrase is being called to a church. So you'll hear me say that a couple times, and I just want to clear that up. I know what you're talking about. (laughs) I know you do, but, like, we grew up in the Bible Belt. Yeah. So that's a phrase we're familiar with. Yes. Um, And when he leaves the church, it's because he's answering a different call. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they can't say you're fired. Right. (laughs) Um, So while they were living in Lebanon, Mm -hmm. they lived in the parsonage uh, for the church, Mm-hmm. And A.B. was serving as the head pastor and his wife was like, she served like every first lady of the church does. You know, she yep. hosted dinners and she was, she was just the quintessential married to the pastor. Look, and I don't know if it is where you grew up. I'm going to assume that it is. But if you get invited to dinner at the pastor's house, like that's a big fucking deal. Oh, yeah. We actually, a couple times we went and had dinner at a restaurant with them, and that was still, like, a big deal, too. So. Right. So, when I was growing up, um, our um, our associate pastor, his daughter was in the, the youth group with us. And um, without giving too much away, their last name is was White. Okay. And they lived in a gated community um, in, like, a nice part of town. Right. But, so, they their gate had, like, a, um, a security guard. So us high schoolers got such a kick out of driving up to the gate and um, telling the guard, we're going to the White House. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that was our fun thing in high school to do. And even the guard would play along. He'd be like, tell the president I said hello. I love that. I love that. It was really fun. Um, 
But we spent a lot of time at their house. And that man was a saint for letting, you know, 50 teenagers overrun his home. Right. <laughs> um, so they got married in 68. So 99, mm-hmm. 31 years into their marriage. Um, That's a long time. Uh-huh. So, um, on April 24th, 1999, 911 received a phone call at 2.15 in the afternoon mm-hmm. from um, Pastor Shermer, uh-huh. re- reporting that he had returned from a jog that afternoon to mm-hmm. find Jewel lying unconscious at the base of the basement stairs. Oh, so he, he pulled a, a, a Michael Peterson. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. Didn't say an owl did it because I wrote that in my notes, or was <laughs> it an owl? Is what I wrote. Um, so the forensic pathologist at the coroner's office who performed the autopsy mm-hmm. noticed that she, or you know, did all of the. I guess it was the autopsy. I wrote that, so I guess that's the notes. But my brain just blanked, so we're going to say yes. Um, I only I only question that because I know for the second one there wasn't an autopsy. Um, mm-hmm. But okay. Who the the forensic pathologist noticed or noted that Jewel had an electrical cord from a shop vac wrapped around her foot. They also noted in this report that she was barefoot, which I guess was a very important detail because they wrote it down. But I don't know why that was an important detail. I don't either. Uh, the report went on to state that she had suffered... Well, I know that when you're barefoot, you're more likely to slip on stuff. Maybe that was it? I don't know. I slip more when I have socks on. Barefoot, you've got a grip. I do. I don't know. Um, I, I don't ever wear socks if I can help it, so... Same. I don't know anything. I hate socks. Oh, I hate them. Um, so the official report... Oh, sorry. The report went on to state that she'd suffered a fractured skull and numerous bruises on her upper body. And the official report stated that Jewel Shermer had died of a traumatic brain injury and ruled her manner of death undetermined because her injuries seemed too severe to be consistent with just falling down a flight of stairs. Right, but her husband's the minister, so you can't accuse him of killing her. Yep, I definitely wrote that down later. (laughs) Thanks for jumping ahead on all of my notes. Sorry. It's okay. God. Uh, we've hit the point where we've been doing this together long enough that we can play each other's jokes. It's true. <laughs> uh, so, because her death was ruled undetermined and not a homicide, no investigation was opened against her husband. Wow. Yep. Um, two years later, the singing minister became the pastor of the United Methodist Church in Readers, Pennsylvania. And Do they advertise him as that when he when they're like introducing him to I the hope congregation? So. They're like, now we would like to welcome our new head pastor, the singing minister, A. B. Shermer. <laughs> <laughs> I would leave right then. I would get up and leave the congregation. Like I suddenly became an atheist. I gotta go. <laughs> oh, I just remembered I like Satan. Bye. <laughs> It, it was around this time that he married his second wife, sure. 49-year-old Betty Jean Schertzer. So she went from Schertzer to Shermer, and that's not really a trade-up. It's a lateral move. Well, at least she didn't have to get her uh, her monograms redone. <laughs> you know how much 
work that is? Except they're in Pennsylvania. They don't monogram the way we do in the South. That's literally... The- <laughs> <laughs> That's the only thing I know about marriage is that you have to redo your monogram. <laughs> um well, and she was, so he was a preacher. She mm-hmm. was doing God's other work because she was a music teacher. So okay. between them, they seem like the perfect couple, a teacher and a preacher. Okay. So she's 49. He's how old at this point? Uh-huh. That's a question you asked. He was, <laughs> he was 20 in 1968. Now mm-hmm. it's 2001. So... You can do that math. 53? Hold on. 33. Yep, 53. Yes. You still got it. I got it. I'm so glad since you're literally a teacher. Yeah, but I teach English. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So they were happily married for seven years. And by all accounts, they seemed like your typical preacher and wife combo. Just like his... I have a new question. Uh Uh-huh. How long did he wait? From the time his first wife died till he married his new wife. Two years. So not 31 days. Not 31 days. Okay. Yeah. Did she sob uncontrollably while they got married? Uh, I'm going to guess no. Okay. Uh, I don't, I didn't find that in my notes, but if it changes, I'll post an update on our blog. Okay, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, um. By all accounts, they were like this typical preacher and wife combo. And uh-huh. and again, she was like the perfect preacher's wife. Um, sure. And then on July 15th, 2008, 911 mm-hmm. received a phone call that there was a PT cruiser sitting on the shoulder of State Route 175 next to the guardrail. Uh-oh. And people who got out to help them saw that Betty Jean Shermer was sitting in the passenger seat, bleeding from her head, and she was unconscious. And the passenger seat was soaked in blood, so she bled a lot. Wow, okay. Um, The drivers who stopped to help noted that she had severe bruising on the right side of her face, Mm -hmm. and that the vehicle suffered minor damage, but and that Pastor Shermer was totally uninjured. Okay. And... The pa- so a little suspicious. Uh huh. Well, and not that this is suspicious at all, but when the passersby pulled over to help him, mm-hmm. he had not even called nine one one, but he'd been sitting there for a hot minute. He was overwhelmed and suffering from shock. Okay. Duh. It's like you've never been in a car accident before. So when he was questioned by the police as to the events of the day. Uh, Shermer reported that he had been taking Betty to the hospital because she had a pain in her jaw. Which, I mean, she had bruising on the whole right side of her face, so... Maybe she was hitting herself? Because of the jaw pain. To alleviate the jaw pain. Yeah, it was like... What's a, that saying? A like, why do you hit yourself in the head with the hammer? Because it feels so good when you stop. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's aversion therapy. Like, maybe if I yeah. keep hitting my face, I'll forget about my jaw. Yes. Uh-huh. 
I buy into this 100%. I'm down. There is nothing suspicious about this at all. We should be doctors or investigators at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So he said that while he was driving to the hospital, he was going between 45 and 55 miles per hour. And a deer ran out in front of him. Came out of nowhere. Came out of nowhere. And he lost control of his car. He swerved back and forth across the road before smashing into the guardrail. What time was this in the afternoon? It was just sometime in the afternoon. I don't have a time written down. As I live in Texas, again, you know. Uh Uh-huh. And what month is this? Sorry. July. Yeah, that was not a deer. No. Uh Uh-uh. Okay, deer are, they are... Oh, no, I'm sorry. April. It was April. So uh, it's the end of deer running into the road season. Deer running into the road. But also they run into the road at dusk or at night when it's cooler outside. Right. Not during the day. Okay. Right. Um, Because they sleep during the day. Last night I had to avoid a full family of deer on the middle of the interstate driving home Mm -hmm. at midnight. But being the human being that I am and knowing how to look for places where deer are going to be typical... I was prepared for there to be deer on the interstate. Yes. Because I'm not a fucking idiot. They run through, like, um, the part of the city where I live in, there's a lot of woods around, and they live there. And so they run through my apartment complex all the time. Oh, how funny. It's so bizarre. Like, you just look at... Because I'm in the middle of this... I'm in the middle of the city. Right. And so you just randomly look outside, and there's a deer. Have you okay. have you ever heard the woman that called into the radio station that was like they need to move deer crossing zones because they have them in too high traffic an area? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen the episode of um, the West Wing where the guy proposes that they build like a wolf bridge? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like. How would the wolf know to go over the wolf bridge? And he's like, because they're smart, they would know. <laughs> right. So that's what this woman is like. She's like, we should move the deer crossings to areas that have less traffic so the deer won't cross in the middle of a very busy highway. Yeah. Bitch, the warning is for you. It's not for the deer. <laughs> so. Um, oh, my God. That's a- wild. Apparently, they put the deer crossing in the wrong place. So he had to swerve. I mean, people are so inconsiderate. And yeah, absolutely. that highway worker had one job. <laughs> so he smashes into the guardrail. The mm-hmm. police also report that Betty Jean was not wearing a seatbelt at the time of the accident. And that's it. Did it deer and seatbelts? That's all you need. Yep. Um, so the next day at the Lehigh Valley Hospital, Betty Jean Shermer died of multiple skull and facial fractures and brain injury. And although her injuries did not seem consistent with the type of accident that Shermer reported, mm-hmm. the police did not open an investigation for homicide in connection to the 56-year-old woman's death. Because he was the pastor. Right. Um, because, you know, it's totally plausible that a man would have two wives die of very extreme injuries that are inconsistent with the event that he reports that caused their death. 
It's all the deer. I'm not. And the owls. I wrote, I'm not saying that the fact that the man was a white preacher had anything to do with the authorities (laughs) blindly believing his story. I'm just saying that he was a white preacher and the authorities blindly believed his story. The owl and the deer. The last thing you need to do is tell a white man he got away with something because he's white. Right? (laughs) Uh... Oh, I mean, unless you really want to hear a, a like a long soliloquy about how being racist is a good thing, right? Oh man, which I don't. So no, I, <laughs> no one wants to hear that. No, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> um, so three months later, on October 29th, two thousand eight, um, another violent death followed Pastor Shermer, purely out of absolute coincidence completely this guy just has really bad luck the lord is testing him the lord is testing him if it's from above it's full of love (laughs) or whatever the fuck he said so three um joseph musante who was the husband of the pastor's secretary was found dead in the church office behind the pastor's desk does he suddenly fall in love with the the secretary? Hush, wait, it's my story now. <laughs> the uh the the man is found dead behind the pastor's desk. He'd been shot in the head with in what appeared to be a suicide because if I'm going to kill myself, the place I'm going to do it is behind the pastor's desk. But Oh, for sure. Right. Like that's duh. Behind the pastor's desk. Hopefully with a gun that just disappears afterwards. Right. So he had gone in and... the Lord works in mysterious ways. He'd gone in in a violent fit of rage, yelling that the pastor had been having an affair with the secretary, his wife, since before his wife, the pastor's wife had died. I wish I could play the law and order. Dun, dun. Right there. Right. Um, When... How much would it cost us to get the rights to that? <laughs> uh, I don't have that kind of money right now. I don't either. <laughs> um, I don't think we'll ever have that kind of money. So, <laughs> as the investigators followed all the clues, Velma, they, uh, I made lots of Scooby-Doo references in my notes that I've cut out as I'm working. <laughs> are they, they the investigators or are they on Scooby-Doo? They're, yes. In fact, okay. it is just a Great Dane. Okay. Because the police... I, I believe it. At this point, the police have ignored everything, so I feel like maybe a great day to do a better job. So maybe it is Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, so the... Um, they follow this line of questioning about was he actually having an affair, and they found that, in fact, the pastor was having an affair with his secretary, Cynthia Musante, who, as, dun, I, dun. as I said, was the dead man's wife. And... So, I'm just going to spend my time making the law and order noise myself whenever perfect. it needs to be done. Perfect. Cool. I guess being a murderous preacher is kind of like playing baseball because this was his third strike. He, He's out of here. Um, Jim Fisher, or Jimmy Fisher from the Jim Fisher blog wrote, A.B. Shermer's proximity to the untimely violent deaths of two wives and the husband of his personal assistant and lover kickstarted a criminal investigation of his second wife Betty's death, uh, July 2008 death. So you just have to fuck up three times to be caught. 
Yeah, if people keep, it doesn't matter who you are, if people you are close to keep dying, eventually someone's going to ask the question. Right. The investigation eventually found that Shermer had been involved with his secretary and had actually been involved with his secretary at the time of his wife's death, which provided a motive for the murder. Dun dun. <laughs> Once the homicide investigation was opened, police were able to search the parsonage where the Shermers lived. And do you know what they found? Kittens and cotton candy? How did you guess? <laughs> and Captain America. Oh, finally! That guy's <laughs> late. Well, he was, he was in my notes. That's why I thought he was going to appear in yours. Um, no, um... Not kittens, not cotton candy, and not Captain America, which is a special I want to be part of. Uh, <laughs> instead of any of those things, they found large amounts of blood on the floor in the garage. Dun dun! And because Betty Jean had been cremated without an autopsy, there was no Shocker. right. There was no DNA to match recovered blood samples against from Betty. Um, I, if, they, so, if she has any family that's, at all, Tess <laughs> did find a close match, however, to Betty's relatives. There we go. See, Scooby Doo finally is working. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, two days after Betty died, like they were like, okay, well, she it looks like that she couldn't have died from hitting a guardrail. So, um, what do you want to do next? And he was like, burn her body. And they were like, yeah, cool. That sounds great. Like, let's let's do that. So she's cremated yeah. really quickly after she died. Fire up that old oven, guys. The yep. pastor said. Um, the discovery also provided a narrative to the events of the day of Betty's death. The pastor, according to the narrative, they pieced together. The pastor had bludgeoned Betty in the parsonage with most likely a crowbar in the garage and then he put her body into the PT cruiser which I'm trying not to laugh that like the getaway car in this crime was a PT cruiser PT cruiser <laughs> it's like a mini hearst <laughs> like <laughs> um, and then he staged the crash into the guardrail and sat in the car and waited for her to bleed out and die which would explain why the passersby had to call 911 when he seemed perfectly alert and uninjured what an asshole. Yes. I could not have said it better myself. Thank you. After Pastor Shermer had been named the prime suspect in his wife's death, he retired from the ministry. He was called to a new profession. There we go. <laughs> not retire. So, not how that works. Okay. Now, you are a minister who's being accused of murdering your spouse. Okay. What's your next career move? I'd probably teach at a seminary. Oh, he was close. Okay. He joined an evangelical singing group, kind of like the Gaithers, called the Barrowian. Sure. Uh-huh. And mm -hmm. then... You really, you really killed that. Yeah. I, I, I even wrote it out phonetically. That I would have wanted to spend my time bringing up the next generation uh -huh. of ministers. So I'd want to, I want to teach at a seminary. Yeah. No, he's starting younger than that. He's trying to convert people. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's going around singing about the Lord. Like I wrote, I wrote, because that's what you do, right? Step one, get accused of murder. Step two, go on tour singing Jesus Loves the Little Children. No. I mean, it's step one, murder your wives. Plural. Step two. Fuck your secretary. Fuck your secretary. <laughs> step three, get accused of murder. Gotcha. Step four, go around singing Jesus Loves the Little Children. I tend to skip steps. I, it gets me in trouble all the time. <laughs> You really got to show your work better. <laughs> so, uh, and then the uh, Jim Fisher commented on his blog. He said that that's why he loved true crime so much because nobody would believe this ridiculous shit in a detective novel because it would seem unrealistic. But this was real life. Like, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. So the investigators called in a traffic accident investigation specialist who, like, that's like the floating head that's like cheese expert. Like, how do you get such a specific title? What I want to be is the floating head that's like meme expert. Yes. That is a real job. Oh, I and know. If I can find a career as a meme expert, I will. <laughs> so um, they called in this expert who... um Noted that the damage to the PT Cruiser suggested he could not have been traveling faster than 25 miles per hour. Which, I mean, like, duh. He smashed his car into a guardrail and didn't want to die himself. So, you know that he was just PT cruising into that thing. He was not about to (laughs) floor it. (laughs) You're you're welcome. (laughs) And so... In any case, um, a crash at that speed, wouldn't you know, would not have killed Betty. Amazing. And would definitely not have given her the head trauma or brain damage that she had. Are you sure? (laughs) Listen, I'm not an expert, but they had one. Because the minister said that it did. (laughs) Right. Right. Why would he lie? He's a man of the cloth. Preachers can't lie. It's in the rules. It's in the rules, yes. So, two years after Betty's death in July of 2012, the coroner officially ruled her death a homicide, which... It's about time. Right? Finally opened Shermer up to criminal prosecution. And on September 13th, 2010, he was taken into custody by the Pennsylvania State Police. Mm -hmm. He was charged with the murder of with the first degree murder of Betty Jean Shermer and okay. with tampering with evidence because okay. he tried to clean up all the bloods in the garage. I said bloods plural. We're going to stick with it. <laughs> as long as you don't say splatter instead of spatter, I'm fine. Right. Um, so at the time of his arrest, he was engaged to be married a third time to his secretary. No. Yes. This dumb bitch, she <laughs> murdered your husband, and you are just like, let's get married. We have, I love you. We have no evidence that he murdered the husband, but I suspect. He murdered the husband. I suspect. It's alleged. We can't say that without there being evidence. Please don't get us sued. She means allegedly. He allegedly. <laughs> Thank you. Or... 
Yeah. (laughs) So on September 17th, 2010, a grand jury convened to also look into the death of Jewel Shermer, Pastor Shermer's first wife. Right. And at this, they had uh, Dr. Wayne Ross, who was a forensic pathologist for Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And he'd studied the photographs and other information from the 1999 death. Um, he told the jurors there that the skull fractures that Jewel had suffered would have required at least 750 pounds of pressure. So basically her just falling down the staircase, unless Miley Cyrus swung in on that wrecking ball to take her down, were impossible. Maybe she took a swan dive like off the top step. If I were <laughs> that guy, I might. <laughs> right. So, um, it, but if she'd taken a swan drive, then she wouldn't have had the electrical cord of the shop back that was the original, like the alleged reason she fell. Maybe she's bad at diving. Maybe, maybe she thought it was, um, spelunking. Oh, yes. <laughs> she was trying to bungee jump. <laughs> yes, exactly. All very legit. So she, um, let's see. Also, he testified that there were cuts in her fa- on her face that were highly suspicious and could have been caused by an object striking her head. There were 14 separate injuries to her head and face, as well as numerous abrasions and contusions throughout their upper throughout her upper body and arms. Okay. He also testified that one of the bruises was in the shape of a handprint. That's all circumstantial. It's coincidental. Completely. It's, it's a, that's the way she bruises. Trust me, I'm a minister. She fell on a toy shaped like a hand. <laughs> cool. All the time. Um, she fell on our hand-shaped statue. So before. That we keep at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> it's so, if you're trying to go up the stairs, you can say, give me a hand and somebody can give you a hand. Totally. Right. Duh. Um, so before they had concluded anything over Jewel, he was tried for the more recent death of his second wife, Betty Jean. Mm-hmm. And at that trial, friends of Betty's started to question why she hadn't been wearing a seatbelt because she was like really... <laughs> She was really safety conscious Uh and she would have never gotten in a car without her seatbelt, except, you know, she had that jaw thing and she was in a lot of pain. Right. And I forget to buckle my seatbelt when my teeth hurt. (laughs) Duh. Um, So during questioning, Pastor Shermer tried to explain away the blood that he tried to clean up saying that she had gashed her arm open while helping him in the garage one day, and he had totally not tried to kill her with a crowbar. No. Yeah, no. Uh-uh. So, At least she can say, like, oh, the inside of her mouth was bleeding because her jaw hurt so bad. Right? Well, and I'm like, her jaw probably did hurt if he beat the shit out of her with a crowbar. <laughs> no shit, right? <laughs> Um, I don't know what her, why her jaw hurt. Maybe it's because I knocked her upside her head with a crowbar. I don't know. Yeah. Allegedly. <laughs> and I would never do that. That would be rude. Yeah. I, in fact, thought about that um, meme that you posted on our Instagram that was like, Jody, that kills people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, no. So 
his defense was really, really, really good. And they were like, mm, yeah, I mean, you think that he killed her, but what's the motive? And then that was all. he was fucking his secretary? That's all they could come up with was like, there's no motive for a preacher to want to kill their wives. Like, Okay, uh, I've watched Dateline since I was in middle school. Uh-huh. It's always the husband, and it's always because he's fucking his secretary. Right? Allegedly. Get a better motive. <laughs> Do better. So, um, the prosecution did, like, a reverse draw four, and they mm-hmm. were like, um, or maybe he was fucking his secretary and got caught and wanted to continue. Oh. Yeah, there's that. And the defense was like, oh, yeah, we thought you didn't know. <laughs> JK. That's all circumstantial. You can't prove that. And then the defense was like, I am rubber and you are glue. Whatever I say, <laughs> whatever you say, what? Whatever you say bounces off me <laughs> and sticks to you. Sorry, I haven't been in grade school in quite some time. <laughs> um, And then the prosecution continued that, like, not only... Would he, like, if he'd been caught in an affair, not only would that ruin his marriage, but his career would be over, too. Because when you're having an affair as a preacher, like, there's this thing called the Ten Commandments, and one of those rules says, don't commit adultery. I don't know. I'd go see a preacher that cheated on his wife before I'd go see one that murdered his wife. Well, that was the thing I was going to say is... Um, there's another one that says don't kill people. So he's really good at following the 10 rules. And I know it says not to get divorced, but. That's not one of the 10 commandments. In fact, the Bible no. says the Old Testament, I think it's Old Testament says if your spouse is having an affair, that's a, like a biblical reason to get divorced. Yes. So. Sure. But what I'm saying is I know that people frown on divorced pastors, but. I think they frown more upon pastors who murder people. Yeah, I think maybe. Maybe. I don't know. In the South, they really like to be choosy about the sins they want to pick on. Like, oh, that's so true. Like, don't be gay. You're going to hell, but we won't talk about your divorce. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, that happens all the time here. In fact, that happened recently, and I can't remember what it was that he had done. Oh, yeah. I have no doubts. Everything but it sucks. Happen, it happens all the time down here. Or like, oh, your kid's gay, so now maybe you should rethink. You are a bad parent. Or, yeah, you're a bad parent. That's why he's gay. Maybe you shouldn't be a pastor. Or, you know, like, Jesus just loves us all and whatever. I'm not going to get preachy on here. But mm-hmm. I'm so sick of especially Christians in the South who are fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm ending this conversation. <laughs> I will go on an epic rant about oh, I how know. terrible Christian people are. Oh, I know. Can be. I won't can say be. are, but can be. Um. So anyway. As a person who was impregnated out of wedlock, I experienced some shit. That's why I don't go to church anymore. Thank you. That's all. Well, and I can't apologize for them, but just know that I love you regardless. Thank you. Because I suck and I would expect you to love me regardless terrible center. <laughs> um, so regardless of his really well-crafted defense, um, you know, there's no motive, so there's no crime. That's, right. That's like... There's no motive except the motive. Right. So there was no crime. <laughs> um, in J- January of 2013, 
The jury shockingly found Arthur Shermer guilty of first-degree murder and of tampering with evidence. Um, and he was given a lifetime sentence without the possibility of parole. Done, done! Uh, in June of 2014, he pleaded no contest to the third-degree murder of his first wife, Jewel Shermer, which added an additional 20 to 40 years. Aw, shucks. And um, Rachel Tompkins, who is the only true hero in this whole story, Yay! She, she was the second name on that article that I'm not sure who is written by, so I'm attributing this quote to her, ended her article with, he might have been a religious man, but God wasn't the only one to judge him this time. Yikes. <laughs> and that is the awful case of A.B. Shermer, the singing minister of death. That was an awful case. But, I mean, at least he didn't have sex with an 18-year-old he was giving drugs to. I... Listen, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, if that's the upside, if like I'm talking about you, and that's the upside, <laughs> you done fucked up. Long look in the mirror and think about your life choices. Just think <laughs> about them. Oh my god! All right, so what are we um, watching next week? Well, earlier today, I had you pick four random numbers, uh-huh. right? So out of that, I picked our next four cases. So for all of March. I can only work one week at a time, so let me write all these down. Yes. Right on. No, absolutely. But I want to give everybody else right, the, the opportunity to watch them with us. Yeah, to watch them with us. Um, I thought maybe we could put like a calendar on our website so yeah. that they would know what's upcoming. Okay. Um, so, and I actually, these are not in the order that you picked, but I rejumbled them because some of them were similar stories. So I don't want to do two kidnapping stories in the same, like right. in two concurrent weeks okay in fact i'll let you text these to me i'm not going to write them down yeah okay that's fine i'll text them to you so um on so today is february 27th when this comes out so the next week march 6th we're going to be covering kidnapped hannah anderson okay um march 13th the week of your birthday the week of my birthday. This is my birthday week. And I didn't even think about that. It's our birthday week. How exciting. But this is the only case out of these four that I actually know about. And I don't even know a lot about it. I've just heard of it before. Okay. It's called An Officer and a Murderer. And it's about Colonel Russell Williams of the Canadian uh, military. A Canadian crime. Yes. Um. So, and then March 20th, we're going to cover I Killed My BFF. I cannot not, wait. It's not the Preacher's Daughter one. It's the diff- it's another one. Yeah, I know. Okay. It's Jamie Dennis Gia- Giannakos. Giannakos. Oh, that's that's her, her case. Um, and I'm not sure if she's the victim or the perpetrator, but we'll find out. <laughs> and then March 27th, we're going to cover... We Have Your Husband, which is the story of the kidnapping of Eduardo Valseca Ooh. in Mexico. Mm-hmm. I picked some really interesting cases on accident. You did. Good job. I'm super excited. Did you see anything this week that you would like to see turned into a Lifetime movie? Does it have to be a crime? No. Okay. Um, I... 
thought about, oh, I can't even say this because it, I know of um, some really lurid affairs that have gone on in public schools that I think (laughs) would make really good Lifetime movies. I think between the two of us, you obviously have more. I have one that would be excellent. You've heard my story. Uh But I think between the two of us, we could come up with like a whole month of movies and they could have like um, school um, scholastic affairs month. Right. Lifetime channel. Not too long ago, I was watching uh, Lifetime and there was a movie that came on and I want to say it was Teacher's Pet, but I don't know that that was the title now. It probably it's that is got, the title of a lifetime movie. It's got Chris Klein in it, who was in American Pie. Oh man! And it was cray cray. It was so good. I <laughs> hoped it was real so I could add it to the list, and it was not. Oh, I was going to read this to you because I, t- you know, you know, I go through um, D list and record stuff. Uh huh. Upcoming in the next week, but I record I screenshot and I want to read you this summary of a movie. Okay. Because the title is called Evil Nanny. I'm already here for it. But I'm not sure Lifetime has a grasp on what the word evil means. (laughs) Oh no. Okay. A couple attempt to fire their careless live-in nanny but she reveals she's established residency in the house without their knowledge, forcing the family to undergo a lengthy eviction process. Um, anytime you have to bring bureaucracy into your house, it is evil. <laughs> I was like, wait, nobody gets murdered? Like, how is that evil? <laughs> yeah, those court fees, that's truly heinous. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, um, so I was thinking this week um, about a case that I would like to see, and I'm really not sure, um, but I did watch a Dateline on Friday that was pretty interesting about an Uber driver who just went on a murderous spree while driving people around in his Uber. And I was you like, were like oh. live texting me that, right? Yeah. I was like, Oh, excuse me. While well, I never, ever ride in an Uber ever, ever, ever again. Right. Ever. Yeah. I'll just take my chances. No, thank you. I have never been in an Uber and I don't think I'm going to start now. You live in a small town in Louisiana. I don't think you'll ever have the opportunity. I traveled to New York city twice last year. But in New York City, you can get a cab anywhere. You right. need an Uber. People say it's cheaper, but I don't think it is. Like I think that the Uber has cost, uh, has driven down the driven down the prices for the yellow cat taxis. Well, I think that also it depends because you're mostly going to be traveling during surge time, and so it's going to be as expensive, if not more. Right. Um, I also just really like the subway. Like, I don't like the subway. But I do, I mean, I like the New York cabbie experience. There's nothing like rear-ending, like five cars on your way to get somewhere. Right. And everyone being fine with it. <laughs> um, but when I'm in New York, I pretend like I'm not a thousand pounds and I walk everywhere. And I feel powerful walking the whole, like, city of Manhattan. 
Yeah. The And then I get to the end of the trip, and my feet are the size of an elephant's, and I'm like, maybe I could have taken one cab. <laughs> I, um, my shoe choices generally do not, are not conducive to walking a lot. Right. I will not be that woman who wears sneakers with her dress and then puts them in her purse to put on her regular shoes. I refuse. Last night at our concert, one of the guys wore, we we were supposed to wear all black, but half the orchestra brought tuxes because of a communication error. Anyway, but one guy wore sneakers with his tux and I was like, please get off my stage. First of all, you can't do that unless you're an A-list actor. You're trying to make a point. Even then, please don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Hey, what is our Twitter? At Life Sentence Pod? Yes. No. No? Yeah, at Life Sentence Pod. Okay. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and what's our we Instagram? Will, okay, we will never be able to introduce ourselves, and we will never remember <laughs> our own social media. No. I keep saying, like, I'm going to write it down and tape it to this table. Have I done that? No. I, in fact, recorded, recorded, I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) I recorded recorded, uh, a clip of me saying all of our socials so I could plug them in at the end of an episode. And then I haven't done it. So we're just never going to do it. Did you figure out how people on an Android can rate and review us? I thought about that this morning. But I know, like, the best way I could tell you is just download iTunes. It doesn't cost anything. I don't know if you, I don't think you can download iTunes onto an Android phone. No, just from a computer. Like, I've done all my reviews from a computer. Oh. I will. That's a lot of work. I wouldn't even ask other people to do that because it's a lot of work. I know. Um. Again, I think there's a way. I did not do the research. It's been a busy week. As you know, my yearbook is due Monday. And then I'm going to have free time again. Thank God. So you can work on this in the next week. Yes. Yay. Okay. Oh, our Instagram, at Lifetime Sentence. And our website is LifetimeSentencePod.com. Yes. And our email is LifetimeSentencePodcast at gmail.com. And Aaron did not offer sexting lessons this week, but I think that offer's still on the table if you need some help. Look, I will give you sexting lessons. What's the other thing I said? Oh, oh, the other thing I said was to email us about the underwater blowjob, but somebody already did, and that has been debunked. It's not possible. Oh, yeah. Thank you to those of you who are doing the legwork. Yeah. And to the person who almost drowned. Sorry. (laughs) We'll we'll send you a t-shirt when we get merch? Question mark. (laughs) Shelby was like, she almost drowned. And I was like, oh, no. We're not trying to kill any of you. Yeah, please don't. Please don't die unless we get a good episode out of it. For real. (laughs) In fact, just please don't die. Right. So again, next week we're going to do Kidnapped Hannah Anderson. I'm really pumped. Me too. I like I kidnapped stories. stories so I'm very excited. Um, I don't know anything about this. So yeah, we'll do this again next week. Yeah. It was a pleasure yeah. plotting with you. You too. I'm going to go watch the Oscars. Don't forget to eat your vegetables. Yes. Eat your vegetables. And oh, we were supposed to tell Fran to do something too. Fran, do the thing.
<laughs> do that thing, Bran. Yes. <laughs> I'm leaving you. Okay. Right. Was it right? No. Oh, it is right. Yes. Sit down and write, Fran. Do it. I thought so. All right. Well, listen, All have right. a good night. You too. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. This has been Lifetime Sentence, where the truth really is stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.